From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. We have a packed show as usual, and today we're going to finish wrapping up Toro Cup 7. We have a series of interviews with a lot of the competitors from that card. Some of them you've heard before on the show, like Black Belt CJ Murdoch or pro MMA fighter Adley Edwards. Others you'll be hearing for the first time, like Blue Belt from Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu Summer Carpenter or Great Grappling Purple Belt Chelsea Kurtzman. Plus, this week I traveled to Washington, D.C. for our featured interviews with Toro Cup competitor Saida Durkee and her coach, Isaac July Jr. If you don't know Isaac, he is also a super accomplished black belt competitor under Leo Dalla. So it was great to talk to both of them together about training, competing, learning jiu-jitsu, strategy, and the future. You'll hear a lot more from the D.C. and DMV community in upcoming shows. I was able to train a bunch of different places up there this week, talk to a lot of interesting folks, and can't wait to bring you some of those on future shows. I want to begin on a somber note, though, by acknowledging a major loss that the local fight community suffered this week when Josh Cutler died in a motorcycle accident. I first met Josh and saw him compete almost exactly four years ago today when I took photos at the Bull City Brawl where he fought. He was only 19 years old then, but it was already apparent that he was an absurdly talented fighter with really impressive natural instincts. In the fights I saw, he was able to finish more experienced opponents in devastating fashion with strikes and with submissions. And more importantly, he was a good kid. My friend Trevor Hayes, the Muay Thai coach at Forge Fitness Carry, someone you've heard on the show a lot, was the announcer at those Bull City Brawls, and he described Josh as the definition of raw talent and someone who made fighting look easy while also being one of the nicest and most respectful people I met and shared conversations with. Josh would also take jujitsu privates with my instructor, Seth Champ, who described him in similar fashion, a young fighter that was hungry to learn, that was polite and respectful beyond his years. It's a huge loss, and Josh was only 23 years old. Our hearts go out to all his friends and family. We're going to put up some of those fight photos on our Facebook page, which is Cage Side Radio, so you can see some of the fight memories that Josh Cutler leaves behind. And in the meantime, uh, be nice to everybody you meet, because you never know how much time you'll get with them. So once again, I want to say thanks to everyone who came out to support Toro Cup and to the Women's Center of Wake County, which is the charity benefiting from this event. The Toro Cup has now raised more than $10,000 for various worthy causes, and the next event is in the fall, so we'll have some exciting announcements about that soon, but the charity that's going to benefit about the date, time, and the card information. That is a super fight event, so if you want to get out and see some exciting matches, you know the place to do it. But if you want to compete yourself, there are a lot of upcoming chances, including next weekend at U.S. Grappling Richmond. This is always a great event. It's the place where the DMV community comes together with the North Carolina community and coincides in Richmond, where there's a lot of native jujitsu that is just really high quality. So get out and get some rolls with people that that you don't get a chance to roll with a lot. Depending on when you're listening to this, you might still be able to get the early pre-registration price, but if not, it's worth it. It's a great day of jujitsu, so get out and support. If you happen to miss that event, or if you're just a competitive addict, there are many more U.S. grappling tournaments coming up, a lot of them true submission only. I'm going to give you some dates from those. July 29th, there's a submission-only event for in Raleigh, North Carolina. In September 16th, there's a submission-only event in Virginia Beach, and submission-only comes back to Richmond on December 9th. Now, when we say submission-only, two things about that. First, that's for the adult divisions. The kids still get to have the, the standard kid matches uh, with points, and so it's fun for everybody. But when we say submission-only, we mean true submission only. A lot of times you see super fight cards like Toro Cup or Eddie Bravo Invitational, things like that, that have modified submission only rules where it's, okay, you have 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is to submit the person. And if not, okay, we'll go to points, we'll go to some kind of funky overtime rules, things like that. There's nothing wrong with those rule sets. I'm a big believer in competing and testing yourself under any rule set that you can because there's merit and value in all of those. But if you want true submission only, as in two of us are going to step on the mat, one of us is going to tap, and it's not going to end until that happens, U.S. Grappling is really pretty much the only place to get that, especially out here. I know Gracie Worlds does that, or at least used to, out on the West Coast, but U.S. Grappling is your, is your best option. 
I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff. They do. It's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu geese or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at 124 Lotter Road, right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cageside is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cageside Fight Company, 124 Lotter Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at Cageside.com. Before we get to the substance of the show, I want to thank everybody uh, one more time for who supported Toro Cup, everybody who bought Dirty White Belt merchandise or who supported the first few weeks of our Patreon campaign. If you do want to support the show, you can always buy merchandise at DirtyWhiteBelt.com or you can pledge support at Patreon.com slash DirtyWhiteBelt. Patreon is a way for you to support the show and regular supporters get bonus content as well. And plus, now is a great time to get on board because our landmark 100th show is coming up. We've got some big plans for that, and if you become a patron, you can get the first look at some of the cool stuff we have going on. Plus, you'll get a voice in some of the events we do, some of the content we produce. We love hearing from every listener, but if you want to be a patron and support the show, it starts as little as a dollar a month. With that out of the way, let's put a bow on the Toro Cup. Someone who has been around since the first event, and in fact well before the first Toro Cup, is C.J. Murdoch. And C.J. is one of the best competitive black belts in the area and one of the finest representatives of jiu-jitsu that you'll find. He's a regular on the competition scene. And so before his match with Scott Dance at Toro Cup, Lourdes got the chance to sit down with him. They talked about a lot of stuff, about what it was like to start competing when C.J. was so young, about his training relationship with his brother Josh, who is now a black belt as well, and whether there was any sibling rivalry there. C.J. tells a funny story about when Josh started training. We also talk about what his, Scott, what his strategy was against Scott Dance in one of the more virtuoso performances I've seen out of C.J. Murdoch. And so it's always interesting to hear from a competitor before a, a big match like that to sort of see his strategy when you know how it's going to play out. So without further ado, here's C.J. Murdoch talking to Lourdes Cantu about Toro Cup. C.J., we've seen you compete a lot in the area. Um, how long have you been competing? Um, I started Shitsu when I was 15, and I want to say that I probably started competing within the first six months. So I may have been 15, I may have been 16, it's kind of hard to remember. So that means you've been competing for at least 12 years now? Uh, yeah, if you do the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it's been 12 years. Okay, so um, what was it... What was it like to start competing so young? Um, honestly, it was much easier when I was younger because I, I didn't really have any expectations on myself. I think it's gotten harder uh, over the time because I have more of an expectations or I have more expectations on myself. But today I'm just going to try to have fun and not really look for any results and just try to play my game and do jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu. Um, when did that switch happen for you, where, where it went from fun to becoming more, more serious? Um, I think after Purple Belt. Um, I think Blue Belt and Purple Belt's a little bit more fun. Uh, I think that you're held to a little bit of a different standard. People aren't looking at you. Uh, they're not looking at you the same way that maybe uh, they look at the brown and black belts. So I think that uh, I just feel like I feel that I have more... Um, I don't want to say that I have more to lose because losing isn't the right word, but I feel like I have more to show because I've been training for so long and that I need to uh, show what I've been working on. Um, when you started doing jiu-jitsu, I know that you have a brother that also trains, Josh Murdoch. Um, did you guys start training together at the same time? <laughs> so, no, I'm actually a jerk. I didn't let Josh come for like the first couple of months because... Uh, when I was really young, I well, I still kind of have one, but like I had a really bad attitude when I was a little kid, and uh, I didn't want my brother to be better than me at anything, so I had to start first because he's a lot smarter, so I knew he would figure it out faster. <laughs> so I wouldn't let him come for like the first month, but eventually he started coming. Um, <laughs> that had to be hard to kind of keep him away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't last. It didn't last very long. Um, so, sibling rivalry. I was talking to, to, to Gavin today about sibling rivalry and, and what it's like to train with your brother. Um, so, what was it like for you train, having a little brother? 
Uh, crazy. Um, there was a point where Josh was kind of my only training partner, and man, we killed each other. We'd have arguments after we trained, like, oh, you are going too hard, oh, no, you are going too hard. And then eventually it just got to the point where we just decided that we were going to kill each other every time we trained, so there wouldn't be any attitudes either way. So now we just try to murder each other, so it's fun. So I'm guessing you, you murder each other on on the mats, but like, but it's all in, in good fun, and it's just more of a pushing each other. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody on the entire world that can push me like Josh can. It's just like you, you don't want to get beat up by your little brother. So like, he starts getting into a good position, I might start freaking out a little bit, like inside my head, and it, it it's almost worse when I go against him than when I compete. So. Do you guys compete at the same tournaments? Uh, we have before. Um, we plan on competing at the same tournaments as soon as I can get IBG Jeff registered. If you guys know, that's a huge pain in the booty. So uh, we're just waiting on that. And then, uh, yeah, we plan on trying to compete as much as possible together. What was it like competing with him when um, going to tournaments with him when you guys were younger? So there's actually been a few tournaments that we competed against each other in. So when we were both like, I think I was maybe 18, he was 17, we went to New Jersey and competed in the good fight. And uh, we actually were in the same division. We ended up winning both of our matches and we fought each other. It was, it was fun. <laughs> so, um, what, and I know that now you both are coaches at, um, at Great Grappling uh, Jiu-Jitsu in Fort Mill, South Carolina, and you're, um, and you're coaching kids' classes. So, how does that, how does your experience um, from, from training and, and, and competing at a young age, how does that influence the way that you're teaching your kids and do your kids compete? Um, we have some kids that compete. Uh, we don't really push anybody to compete. Competition should be something that you want to do. Um, it should be a test for you and not for anybody else. So if you're competing for anybody else, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But uh, I, I think it helps us relate to the kids. Um, some of the kids, I think, are more mature than us, so I think that helps a little bit. But honestly, I think that we can just get a little bit closer to their level, like understand them a little bit more because we know what it's like to start when we were young. Now, granted, we didn't get to start in a kid's program. We started in the adult program. But uh, I think that just kind of because we've been, we love Jiu-Jitsu and we were kids when we started Jiu-Jitsu, I don't think we ever really grew up. So we're kind of just big kids teaching other kids Jiu-Jitsu. I think that's a tremendous description of both CJ and his brother, big kids teaching other kids jiu-jitsu. If you watch Toro Cup, you know that CJ wound up winning a very technical match with Scott Dance by submission. You can see that match on our blog at dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog or on our Facebook page if you go to the Cageside Radio Facebook page and look at the video tab. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, Betsy. I uh, couldn't help but notice that U.S. Grappling Richmond is coming up at the end of June. It is June 24th in Richmond, Virginia. So here's my question for you, since we are going to be heading up that way. Tell me a little bit about the BJJ scene in Richmond. What can we expect at the tournament? There's a ton of great gyms, uh, starting with Revolution BJJ, Andrew Smith School, where you also have Daniel Frank, Jarrett Church, Andrew Silver, a bunch of terrific black belts, John Bagels Telford, our good friend, just moved up there. Seth Smith School, Upstream BJJ, is a new uh, a new school on the scene, and Seth's a great instructor, friend of the show, and former guest. You also have Eric Brudo and Liz Susson's School, Richmond BJJ, and so a lot of really quality jujitsu in Richmond. Plus, it's sort of the central meeting point for those of us from North Carolina to meet with folks from the D.C. metro area, and so it should be a terrific turnout of great jiu-jitsu. I can't wait for some good rolls. That would be U.S. Grappling, Richmond, June 24th. Thanks for supporting the people who support us. We talked to Adley Edwards right before his second fight in a featured interview that's available in the archive. Adley has a really intriguing martial arts background as an all-American college wrestler with a relentless work ethic. And he had a fascinating match against another MMA fighter who shares those traits, Isaiah Monroe of Team Hoist Gracie Southern Pines. I was really interested in this match because I knew both guys, and I knew that as a wrestler, Adley is really adept at getting on top and staying on top and attacking from there. But also, Isaiah has a very dangerous deep half-guard game, and those guys don't mind being on the bottom. And so the match played out kind of the way that I thought it would, with Adley on top working to pass, working submissions, with Isaiah um, trying to get underneath him and sweep. So after the match, which Adley wound up winning on points, Lourdes was on the scene for asking to ask Adley his impressions of the match. And here's Lourdes Cantu talking to Adley Edwards. 
Is this your first time competing at Torah Cup? First time competing at Torah Cup, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was awesome, great experience. I've seen a couple events. I was really happy Bagels invited me to come over and uh, share the experience. It was awesome. Um, so tell me about your match. Who did you compete against and what was some of the highlights? What's something that really stood out to you? Uh, I competed against Isaiah Monroe. He's a purple belt out of Southern Pines. Uh, real tall, athletic kid. Awesome match. Sorry, I got some applause going on over here. Um, it was a great match. He was uh, tough, really hard to uh, finish. I tried a couple submissions. His defense was on point. I couldn't get anything through. I ended up winning on points uh, 17-0 in the uh, points round. Okay, and did you... Um, so what was one of the hardest things that, that, that happened during the match, or what was something that you found really challenging or something that you... you... I just I couldn't lock up many submissions. He was tough. I got top control fairly early, and uh, I just kept passing, taking the back, but I, I couldn't sink in a choke. Kept trying for shoulder locks and uh, guillotines. Everything, he shut down. He did a good job staying tight. Uh, he was hard to open up. So you were just kind of running the gamut on him? Yeah, I just kept looking and looking, but uh, nothing was there. Uh, I tried uh, going for some Hail Mary stuff at the end there, but Tom Short wasn't able to get it off. Do you compete often? Uh, I try to, as often as I can. Uh, hopefully I'll be fighting again soon, uh, an MMA fight, possibly the end of the month, and then hopefully back in Raleigh in September. Um, but as far as jiu-jitsu goes, uh, we'll see. I competed a couple weeks ago at the, or excuse me, months ago at the U.S. Grappling in Charlotte. And that was my first grappling tournament in probably like 11, 12 years. So that was awesome. Oh, really? Wow. So what brought you back to grappling? Um, you know what? Uh, I just missed it, wanted to get in there. I had a fight that fell apart, and I was in shape. I wanted to get after it. And uh, there was a grappling tournament that very weekend. Now, uh, since, I, since competing, I got the bug again. I'm, I'm glad to be back after it. Hopefully I'll be competing again uh, quite a few times this year. That's pretty exciting. But you, um, it sounds like... Sounds like you're you're pretty busy. You're you're a new dad, correct? Yep, yep. Uh, my second is uh, six months old. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, and she gets me very busy. And we got daddy daycare going on all the time. So, how has having the baby influenced your um, your has in your home life? How's that influenced your training? Like, how's it affecting it? Training's become very challenging. Uh, it's shuffling between trying to get my rounds finished and tending to a, a crying baby when she wakes up at the gym. So uh, a lot of juggling going on. My trainers and coaches have been awesome about helping out and giving me a hand, uh, keeping her occupied so I can get some work in. So I couldn't have done it without them. Um, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but we're making it happen. We're making it work. So this is a ba another baby growing up on the mat. So you, I'm guessing, do you see her eventually um, training with you? You're going to put her in like the baby classes, the little jiu-jitsu classes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's going to be a mat rat for sure. Both, both of them are just gym rats. They love being at the gym. They love sparring with me and, and grappling and wrestling. It's, it's a blast. I've, I'm excited to see what comes to them. That's awesome. Do you have any um, any shout outs that you want to you wanna give? Yeah, definitely. Uh, big shout out to Alienware MMA and... Uh, uh, LaFree Landscaping uh, for supporting me. Um, yeah, couldn't do it without their support. And when are we going to get to see you again? Uh, hopefully soon. I don't have anything uh, lined up officially yet, but uh, I'll keep you guys posted. Okay, well, thank you so much for talking to us at Dirty White Belt. Thank you very much. Adley Sunshine Edwards is one of the more positive guys that you'll meet, and if you want to hear more from him, we have a featured interview available in the archive. Adley actually just signed the contract for his next professional fight, and so we'll bring you ticket information about how you can buy tickets, show up, and support Sunshine very soon. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. Summer Carpenter is a blue belt at Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu, which is a Henzo Gracie affiliate. This was her first Toro Cup match, and in that match, she was able to finish with a baseball choke from the bottom, one of those ambush chokes that you get when your opponent is passing your guard. You'll get to hear her talk about that and how she set it up. After her win, she talked to Lourdes and talked us through the finish, talked about the dangerous guard game of her opponent, Nora from Upstream BJJ in Richmond, and talked about her, cup, or her Toro Cup experience. So here's an interview with Summer Carpenter of Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu. Summer, tell me about your match. What, what happened? What's the, what was the highlights? What do you think? Well, she did pull guard, um, as I had suspected. And I will say I was extremely surprised at her grip game and her grip strength. I did not expect that at all. Um, so she, were, she kept me in her guard a lot. She um, by, has by far the best guard game of anyone I've rolled with uh, in competition. Um, and so she kept breaking my, my posture down. I couldn't get my posture up. 
So <clears throat> her, her guard was definitely harder to pass than I expected it to be. Um, and we had a very good back and forth. And then I ended up on the bottom and she began passing my guard. And I could tell that she was so fixated on the pass she wouldn't notice the, uh, the baseball choke, which is what I finished with. So I, I set my grips up and let her pass and just drove through and held it. And then that's what got me the, the tap. Nice! So you finished with a, with a, a strong baseball choke, yes. it sounds like. And um, we were just talking right before we started, um, before we started the interview. Saying that the baseball choke can be kind of tricky because yes. it's kind of a last, yes. last ditch effort move. Yes, it's very, very risky, especially if they notice um, and catch it. You know, then you have also a risk of being armbarred. I mean, there's so many, you know, possibilities if you don't um, follow through and, and, you know, really go for it. Um, but I, I just kind of, I could tell in the moment that it would probably work. So I just went for it, you know, and then ended up getting the tap out of it. So it worked out. Nice. Is this your first Toro Cup? It is, yeah. And this is actually only my fourth, I guess, competition. I've only done, I've done two new breeds in a Naga. And mm -hmm. I have won, I've won every competitive match I've had so far. I mean, they were, it's only been two new breeds in a Naga in this. But mm -hmm. um, this is definitely the biggest as far as, you know, an audience. And um, this is my first super fight. And so this one was very different for me. I trained for it differently. And it, I was definitely more, I guess, nervous for this one than I had been in the past for my other competitions. Yeah, well, this one's different in that, I mean, there's people, yeah. there's a whole audience yes. focused just exactly. on you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so do you have any, um, do you have any uh, goals for this year? Like, do you, like, it sounds like you want to compete. Yes, like yes, competing. I love competing. Um, even though, I, you know, it's a very, it's a very nerve-wracking thing for me. Um, but, you know, once I get here or get to the competition, I kind of, I kind of ease up and I kind of, yeah, I'm ready. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to get into some IBJJF tournaments and um, a lot more submission only because um, I'm a Henzo Gracie affiliate and so we do a lot of like leg locks and stuff like that and IBJJF is not, not super keen on like leg locks and stuff. So I want to definitely do like a lot of no-gi, a lot of submission only, kind of open up the possibilities of what I can do and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Have you done, any, so have you considered any of the U.S. grappling tournaments? <clears throat> yes. Um, I actually, I thought about doing the last one we had, which was a week ago or two weeks ago. I can't remember how long it was. Um, but it was just kind of last minute, you know, and money is also involved in that too. But um, right. I'm kind of getting some sponsorship now slowly. Okay. So um, I'd like to give a shout out to Original Workout. They sponsor me as well. Um, so they actually own the building that Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu is in where I train. And uh, Rob Goodwin is owner of Original Workout. And uh, so he's actually sponsoring me now to compete locally and stuff like that. That's so, exciting. Yeah, that's so I know when yeah. I, saw, I met you at Dominica's yes. um, workshop, yep. and you were mm -hmm. talking then about wanting to do some yes. sponsorships. Yes, so they finally, I finally got that one. I got some uh, elite sportswear. It's also sent me a gi and a rash guard. And so I would have worn it today, but I had told me I had to wear white, so I didn't wear my white gi. Um, but they're they've been sending me some stuff, so hopefully sponsorship with them is also in the in the works too. That's very good. Are you yeah. planning to do? Um, I know that you recently went up to Henzo's school yes. in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, who did you get to train with up there? Oh my gosh, so many people. I mean, there were there was there was too many girls even to really name, but. Um, the girls that train there are so tough. I mean, it is unbelievable. But it was just an amazing time getting to see like the Dan Hurd Death Squad and like meeting Gordon Ryan, Gary Tolan, all them. Um, seeing those really big names. Um, Ida, I can't remember her last name. She's, yes, she is a black belt there. I met her. She's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, there's just there's so many awesome people. Unfortunately, I did not get to meet Henzo Gracie. I was super looking forward to that, but he was in like Dubai or something yeah. crazy, like he always is. So I did not get to meet him. But hopefully next time, because we're gonna probably end up taking a couple trips a year. Hopefully, oh good, yeah. that's really good. Okay, well, um, hopefully we'll get to see you again yes, soon I'd love at to one come of the tournaments. Yeah. And um, and thank you so much yeah. for talking with me today. Yes, thank you. You can see Summer's match on our Facebook page, Cage Side Radio. Just check the videos tab. Also, if you're interested in an interview with one of the women that she met and trained with at Henzo Gracie's, uh, our interview with Ida Flosvik is available in the archive as well. So congratulations to Summer. Chelsea Kurtzman is one of the most active and regular competitors on the scene and has had two great Toro Cup matches in a row. If you listen to our last podcast, you can hear Lourdes and I talk about those performances. Uh, Chelsea talked with Lourdes after her match about how tough her opponent, Taylor Saucer of Gustavo Machado BJJ, was, about Chelsea's training history, about her move to Charlotte from Chapel Hill, and much, much more. Chelsea is one of the people that shows up the most for other competitors, and so it was a pleasure for us to get to talk with Chelsea Kurtzman of Great Grappling. This is Lourdes with Dirty White Belt Radio, and I'm interviewing Miss Chelsea Kurtzman, who just had a match at Toro Cup 7. Hey, Chelsea. Hey. So, Chelsea, tell me about your match. What would you think? 
Uh, it was really tough. I mean, it was it was as tough as I expected. I saw her match with Iman last Toro Cup, and that was intense. So I was really excited to roll with her, and she brought it, and so she brought it really good. <laughs> had you, so you had never rolled with her like at a women's open mat or anything. Had you ever like? There's never been any like roles with her or competing against her before. I um, I had never seen her until three months ago when she competed here. Um, I think she trains in Virginia. I don't know, but she's really good, so I was really excited. Um, yeah, never met her anywhere else. Um, so, what was something that was um, noticeably that that stood out to you in your role with her? Oh, um, she has a really really tough base, um, and it may have also been the like. All the sweeps I was trying just were not set up right. But she was like, I couldn't get her off the top of me. She was really good at keeping her weight down and keeping pressure and just consistently going. So it was very challenging. It was very fun. And I, I noticed like a couple times she had a high mount, but she also like was really good about lowering her, her hips down. And you have an amazing um, hip bump. And it, it looked like, I mean, would she, I didn't notice you use it as much in this match. Was that like intentional, or was it something that she was doing that maybe negated your hip bump? Um, I didn't. I didn't get the opportunity. Usually, it just depends on where somebody has their weight on me, and she just wasn't keeping her weight down on my hips where that works for me to do it. Um, and anytime I got her close to over, she just won that little battle a lot stronger than I did. So that's something I'm going to need to work on more. So, what's something that you're going to take away from this match? Um, Cash. Uh, I guess more precision. Um, I need to do a lot better about foreseeing um, bad positions so I can get out of them before I'm in them. Um, especially with people like Taylor who are like really on point. Um, so yeah, I think for me anyway, that's that's what I would take away for myself from it. How much drilling were you doing prior to this match, and did did um, you get a chance to try any of the things that you've been drilling? Uh, I tried a couple of new things. There are some things that I do a lot, but I wasn't doing them well uh, this time. Uh, honestly, like, I'm more of a, like, I'll try it out in rolling. I'm not as big a driller as I ought to be, like usually I get. But, yeah, I mean, everybody drill. Everybody drill. Drilling is good for you. Don't do what I do. But, uh. um, so I know that you've recently um, moved to a new school. You're now training at, at Great Grappling under Jeremy Arell. Um and, uh, and you were, you're formerly from uh, Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu um, with Mazi Hideri. Um, how has the, 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 the move and the change in styles affected your, your, your training and your Jiu-Jitsu? Um, a lot of it is just like having to be really open-minded. Uh, it's one thing to visit a school and see the things they do differently and it seems really cool and awesome and you know, but going there to train, it's just a different dynamic. You're leaving your family and you're in a new place, and now it's your place, so it's it's an adjustment. And when I first got there, honestly, it sort of felt like, well, you're not my family and whatever and crap. And but you know, it, it takes time, and I'm really I'm really loving training there now, um, appreciating the differences and trying to really be part of that community because they're really great people, great training partners. Um, has the difference in in the technique has that in, how how are you influencing or how's that infusing into your um, into the training that you've been doing before? Um, because sorry, I just lost it. it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, well, because Jeremy, the way that Jeremy teaches, or the techniques that Jeremy does, like, or that you know that they teach in great grappling, how have you been able to integrate that into into your game? Um, a lot of them, like, just taking. It's great, like, having an idea of the things that I go for. So the things that he's teaching, a lot of them, I can integrate them with things I already do. So it's just sort of like, oh, I'm here, so instead of doing what I always do, I'll try this new thing that Jeremy taught. And just any time enrolling, I mean, any time I'm training, I'll try and hit the things that I learned in class. Uh, and it's just trying to do that and learning. New, it's, it's fun learning something new that I haven't been taught. Like, every area has, like, different things they teach, and you can grab something from anywhere. So it's fun getting uh, different perspectives, too. Well, we're looking forward to seeing your game evolve, and it's um, been awesome getting a chance to train with you and to watch you compete. And thank you for talking to us today at Dirty White Belt Radio. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for talking with me. It's wonderful having Chelsea Kurtzman on the show, and as we've mentioned on the show before, Great Grappling now has the Fighter House uh, set up. So one of the things in the plans for the future is to make a trip out to Fort Mill, South Carolina, and the Charlotte area, and train some of the schools out there. We'd really like to get more Charlotte area people on the show, so if you know of someone that we absolutely should have on the show, please feel free to message us. 
Speaking of folks that have never been on the show before, Saida Durkee has competed in two Toro Cups and has brought home two wins. Her coach, Isaac July Jr., also knows a thing or two about competitive success. He's a Leodala black belt who won the IBJJF Worlds at Blue Belt and took double gold at Nogi Worlds at Brown Belt. After Saida's latest victory at Toro Cup, I thought it would be fun to talk to them together to get the coach perspective and to get the student perspective as well. This led us into a wide-ranging conversation about how to improve at jiu-jitsu, about the most important thing that Isaac learned from his instructor, Leo Dalla, about competitive goals for both of them and teaching goals for Isaac, about strategy for super fights and how that does or does not differ from strategies for tournaments, and the awesome jiu-jitsu shirt that Saida has made and why I love it so much. We had a great night of training and a really insightful conversation, so I'm happy to bring you that conversation, our featured interview with Isaac July Jr. and Saida Durkee. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. So I'm sitting here with Isaac July and Saida Durki, and uh, really excited to talk to you guys about your gym, where we train tonight, and about Saida's uh, super fight this past weekend. I'm Isaac July. I'm a black belt under Master Leo Dahl. Hi, it's Saida Durki. Everyone knows who I am. Nice. <laughs> That's just the scientific fact. So we'll talk about the the superhero origin story of the Jinja Ninja later. But so you've, uh, did you train your whole career under Master Leo Dollar, or how did you start training Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, I did. I was very fortunate to begin as a white belt under Master Leo Dollar in 2005. I continued through uh, all my belts to black belt under him. And you've had a good deal of competitive success, including numerous tournament honors. I know you have some Pan American Championships, some Nogi Pans Championships. I'm wondering, what, what are the achievements in competitive jiu-jitsu that you're most proud of personally? Uh, most likely my first world championship at Blue Belt uh, in 2007. I won Mundials uh, at medium heavyweight. And probably my double gold at Nogi Worlds as a brown belt in uh, 2013. It's very difficult to win those blue belt divisions because they're so big, and obviously the brown belts are so skilled these days that it's it's really it's really tough to win any gold, let alone double gold. And so now you, you, you teach a fair bit, and I know you still compete. Did you always know that you wanted to be a jiu-jitsu instructor, or if not, when did that light go on for you? <laughs> yeah, no no clue about being a jiu-jitsu instructor when I started out. Um, uh, my primary discipline was wrestling. I started wrestling when I was nine, uh, wrestled through college, and did some other martial arts as well. Uh, found jiu-jitsu in 2005, fell in love with it, and uh, started teaching about five years after that as a purple belt. You know, we talked about some of the, the competitive achievements on your own that you're most proud of. Obviously, you have students that have engaged in some some competitive success at well. I'm wondering, uh, other than Saida, who we'll talk about in just a second, um, do you, what, what kind of student achievements are you the most proud of, or just students that have improved their lives through jiu-jitsu that you're excited about? So I, I'm currently uh, instructing at Urban Box in D.C. in uh, Georgetown, um, but previous to that, I was the instructor at Pentagon Mixed Martial Arts. I had a good crop of guys over there and did a, two rounds of promotions, a couple belt, uh, purple belt promotions and some blue belt promotions over there. I think uh, Jeff Engel was probably a standout for uh, competitors, competitors that I coached. He's uh, got uh, a national championship at IBJJF and uh, lots of regional championships as well. What's the biggest difference for you between wrestling and jiu-jitsu? I know there's a ton of commonalities between the grappling arts, but as someone that has extensive experience in both, I'm wondering what your experience is with the similarities and the differences. For me personally, I think it was being comfortable on my back. Yeah, because coming up as a wrestler, uh, it's ingrained in you to have an automatic panic button when your back touches the mat. So I had to reprogram myself the first about two and a half years that I was training jiu-jitsu to get comfortable on my back. I think that's the largest distinction for me between uh, wrestling and jiu-jitsu. So, Saida, you compete pretty regularly, and you're coming off your second Trower Cup victory, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys all for welcoming me. It's been a pleasure coming to Toro Cup. I love it. I love the family environment there. Everybody is just... It feels like a family reunion every time, and... Uh, it's awesome to have competitors who, you know, afterwards you're just chilling, talking in the corner. I was telling Isaac um, after the first purple belt fight this weekend, which was an amazing fight uh, and super back and forth. And then like five minutes later, I saw them in the other room and one guy was showing the other guy how he beat him. And it was it was awesome. Yeah. So I, I really love Toro Cup and everything you guys are doing with it. 
We're glad to hear it, and everybody down there really loves to watch you compete. I, I want to talk to you about both matches, but specifically, let's start with the most recent one. So you had a last-minute opponent change. Unfortunately, your opponent came up with an injury, I think, the day before, right? And so you didn't know who you were going to compete against until how long before the match? I think it was like 12 hours. I mean, you know, it was definitely just the day before. Um, and I felt really badly for my previous opponent because I know she had been training really hard. And I've actually trained with her before, and she's a super tough competitor. So I know it was really hard for her to not be there. Um, you know, but you got to take care of yourself. Um, and it was awesome that my competitor stepped up with such short notice. I mean, really kudos to her for doing that that shows a lot of heart that shows a lot of you know you just you train you train hard and you train to always be ready and you know she stepped up and that was awesome that was really cool of her yeah and I think you're right to identify that and I think that's part of the community environment of the jiu-jitsu community because I think everybody's trained really hard for tournaments and really trained hard for matches and we know how awful it is to put in that hard work and then not be able to compete and so it's good that people step up and make sure that other people get those matches so I have a question for each of you in turn I'm I'm about preparation and I'm interested in Isaac's perspective as your coach I'm interested in your perspective as a competitor do you prepare for okay your opponent likes to pull guard we're going to drill specifically for this individual style or are you more of a let's drill your strengths let's try and implement your game did you think about who the opponent is how much do you think about who the opponent is to tell you the truth the opponent doesn't matter right we're going to go with our game right uh we have cues that we read for grips and passing strategies and or sweeps and submissions we just read our cues and go to work yeah that's it so the last minute change you wouldn't say really affected your preparation at all not a bit how about you say is that your perspective on it as well yeah i i mean i I definitely try to train my game and, um, you know, listen to my coaches and just, um, like he said, read the cues and understand how my movements are affected by my opponent no matter who they are. But, you know, you could train for a specific type of thing and then something like this happens with the last-minute change or your opponent changes their entire game for that fight. You know, it's I, I just think that the mentality of just training yourself to be strong in every area and read your cues and know what to do no matter what your opponent does is key for us. So I want to drill down on that just a little bit more because you you basically find people, at least I do, that fall into two categories. Either I watch all the tape and I'm like, this is a spider guard player that initiates their right grip and I will deny them their right grip. Or people that are like, I'm going to try to implement my game. What I'm wondering is when you walk out there, do you you have a plan like I want to play top or I want to play bottom and then go from there? Or is it completely see what happens completely spontaneous? No. I like to get on top and stay on top. (laughs) I do. Um, For all my competitors out there, I'm a top player. So you can YouTube it all you want. (laughs) Just waiting for him to pull guard. Yeah, I mean, I I know that uh, my previous opponent is a top player. And I could kind of tell that the new uh, opponent that stepped in was going to pull guard. But again... You know, that didn't really affect how I was going to play. You know, if the other girl is also a top player, then, you know, we'll just have to fight it out and see who gets on top. (laughs) Do you all approach super fight format events differently than you approach tournament formats? Like if you're going to grappling industries or U.S. grappling or something where you know you're going to have multiple matches, is the training, like the class tonight, do you you change the training at all depending on the competition format? Yeah, I think... think the modality of the training will change slightly depending on if it's just one match in a super fight and if it's, say, submission only or a 10-minute round. Uh, we're going to alter how we prep for that versus uh, you know, multiple fights in a tournament. For me, the main difference is if it's a submission-only tournament versus not. I mean, I, I would always like to get the submission, whether it's a time, turn- or, yeah, time tournament or a... Uh, yeah, or points or submission only, but um, but I definitely think that I adjust my training slightly for that um, to like really be aggressive with the submissions in training when I'm training for a submission only fight. Let's talk about more long-term jiu-jitsu and getting better at jiu-jitsu over the long run. I'm wondering, Saida, from from your perspective as a competitor, what would you tell the first day Jinja Ninja? that you wish that she had known when she walked in for her first day of jiu-jitsu, that you know now that you're like, man, I wish I would have known X or Y. 
<clears throat> it's probably the same thing I would tell myself now, which is uh, listen to your body. Um, know when to go hard and when to not completely stop, but you know, slow it down and ease up. Um, and understanding that about yourself, I still have not figured it out at all. <laughs> uh, you and I were actually talking about that a little bit earlier and about injuries or just general, you know, wear and tear and reading your body cues. And it's, it's not easy. It's a super addictive sport. And, you know, I definitely, when I take just one or two days off, I feel like I'm going through withdrawal. <laughs> so, but that's probably what I would tell her anyways, and hopefully she would listen. <laughs> Listening skills, jujitsu people have them. Yeah. <laughs> so Isaac, I have, a, I have a slightly different take on the question from you, which is like, you know, I, I do want to ask that you that same question about yourself. Like, what do you wish you know knew when you started jujitsu that you know now that you would tell, you know, the guy who's transitioning from wrestling to jujitsu? And then I have a bit of a follow up that's more about being a teacher. Okay. Uh, I think I would probably tell myself to embrace the guard. I spent literally my first two, three years with no guard, right? I mean, I had a strong wrestling background. All the matches start on your feet. So more likely than not, I was getting the takedown, then I was working my passing game, establish a dominant position, and then look for my submission, right? I did that my first three years, like, strong. Uh, so I would probably tell myself to embrace the guard. Yeah, yeah. So as a teacher, you know, I would like your advice on people that aren't first day people, but have like a certain level of competence. Maybe they have their blue belt. Maybe they have a couple stripes in their white belt, been training several months or a year. What do you think the most common mistakes that those folks make in terms of training are? Like not day one folks, but folks that are like, all right, you, you know a little something, something. But what, what, what's the thing that the listeners of this podcast who are in that position might be able to internalize and take to heart to improve? I think if you have, uh, you know, a little bit of time on the mats and, and uh, a certain level of skill, you should still be dedicated to training and learning <clears throat> every time you get on the mat. I think at that point where you're still at kind of the nuts and berries stage where you're like, okay, I kind of know what the game is, but I'm still like learning a whole bunch of techniques, you know, be open to the, the variety of techniques, uh, but then try to get dialed in on what fits your game, right? Uh, I think that and, you know, being a good teammate is very important, right? Because, okay, yeah, it's great to have a good coach, but really the most valuable resource on the mat are going to be your training partners, right? They're the ones who's going to give you the immediate feedback. So you got to be able to take care of them and take care of yourself, roll safely, and try to get everybody better. What do you think the single most important thing that you have learned from, from your instructor, Leo Dalla? Pressure. <laughs> I mean, to, to, yeah, pressure, yeah. I mean, again, I came from a wrestling background. In high school, I was known as a pinner, so I had, you know, the ability to hold people down. Uh, but the third point pressure that's generated in jiu-jitsu is, is, is a totally new, it's a different phenomenon, right? So once you get that in your game and people are underneath you and they feel like, God, this guy is 500 pounds, but you only weigh 200 pounds, um, you know, I've traveled a lot and I've visited some schools and that's the com comment that I get most often is, man, your pressure is so good. And I'm like, yep, my instructor. So I have an interesting take on that because I have two coaches and their styles are completely different. But it's so weird because, you know, I'll train with Isaac one day on Monday and then Tuesday I go train with uh, Abmar and... He'll be teaching the exact thing, but the defense of it, for instance. It's so weird. It's like somehow they're completely dialed into each other's games, and it's like I get both sides of it from each one, and it's it goes together so well. And when I see the two of them training together, I can see why. I mean, it's just like this magical flow of these two expert level black belts and everyone just sits and watches you know but I, I see that in their coaching it's like the yin and yang of it and me kind of putting together the two parts of it has been really interesting and like really a complete education 
That's kind of like how my black belt instructor, whenever I'm out of town, all he teaches is how to defend the Barambolo and Jeff's open guard. <laughs> so, so thanks for that, Seth. I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about goals. You know, I know that you, you both still compete. And like, Saida, well, let's start with you. Like, you know, coming off a super fight win, do you set tournament goals? Like, I would really like to win a gold medal here. I would really like to win a gold medal there. Like, or do, do you think in those terms or is goal setting something that is different for you? Um, no, I do. I definitely think in those terms, um, not as concretely as like, I have to do this before I do this before I do this. But, uh, you know, I mean, everybody wants to win worlds. You know, I don't care if you say, oh, I only want to do submission only tournaments. I hate IBJJF, whatever the case may be. Everybody really, in truth, wants to win gold at worlds. Right. Um, so obviously that's a goal, um, and it's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, but besides that, I, you know, I love I love how many smaller tournaments are going on. I love how different people are coming up with different formats, and you know, even having kind of a showier thing with the lights and walkout songs, and you know, I really love that, and I appreciate people putting in the effort to, you know, make people feel more engaged in having this community where you know you can go have totally different kinds of tournaments that I don't you know that didn't exist when Isaac was coming up you know it was like just a couple of tournaments and that's it and IBJJF and that's it right those are your choices and now there's there's so many things out there and you know there's different tournaments with cash prizes which obviously is incentive because jujitsu is really expensive <laughs> um but, you know, I, I just, I love to compete. I love to train. And uh, I love seeing all the different formats out there and want to experience all of them. So goals must, you know, uh, you know, obviously, Isaac, you have a very extensive competition resume. And now, you know, a successful competition team. Do you break down goals for yourself as a competitor and yourself as an instructor? Or is that, does that goal setting take place in two different sort of formats? Or is it something you think of that's very structured or just something you take day by day? Hmm. It's probably not as structured as it should be, to tell you the truth. I think uh, my drive and passion for just excellence across the board as a coach and a competitor is... Um, is what the driving force is, right? I don't necessarily say like, hey guys, we're going to try to take the team title at this tournament or whatnot. No, we're just steadily pushing every day to get better, right? For me personally, um, right now, I think my number one goal is just to get myself 100% healthy, right? A um, couple bumps and bruises here, some aches and pains, but if I can get myself 100% healthy, um, then I'm going to jump back out on the competition circuit, try to make some more noise. I, I do want to ask you, though, you had a match against my instructor, Seth Champ. Saida and I were talking about that at the Pans one year. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm wondering what you remember about that match, if anything. It was a, a match you won by, by two points, I believe, with a takedown. And do you, do you have memories of that match? I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember when I walked out, because uh, we fought in the super, super heavyweight division, I walked out, and I think he's maybe like 6'4", six, 6'5". So I stood across from him, and I was like, oh, man, this, this guy's got a lot of length. Uh, and surprisingly, a lot of strength contained within that length. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good match. It was a tight match. I think I scored, like, may, maybe a take down the last minute of the match to win 2-0. to zero. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, tough, tough competitor, good dude. Yeah, I had fun that match. Is there anything that I haven't asked you all about that you think people should know about, either about you personally, your school, your lineage, and, and uh, we'll start with you and then move on to Saida? Oh, I don't have a lot of extra information. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like I said, I started out as a wrestler. Um, I did some martial arts growing up as well, found jiu-jitsu, fell in love with it, and just been training since 2005 steadily under Master Leo Dalla. Yeah, I do some cross training. You know, I've I've cross trained with Team Lloyd Irvin, which has been very beneficial when I was like deep in the competition circuit because those guys are high level competitors up there. I do some cross training with Beta Academy here in DC as well. Nakapon is a high level guy, uh, and he's got a good group of competitors over there. Uh, also do some cross training, of course, with Abmar Barbosa in uh, Northern Virginia and Dave Jacobs as well. Yeah, you have a lot of great great jujitsu up here that I'm hoping to experience uh, a, a good bit of. So, Saida, what, what do you think people either need to know about you that they don't know, or is there any question I haven't asked that you really just want to answer? 
Well, I think some people know this, but uh, I'm really a huge advocate of the jiu-jitsu community as a whole. I I try to advocate cross-training as much as possible. I try to encourage people to travel and train new places and uh, have open mats that are open to all academies and, you know, just go in and train with other people. You, you can never experience enough styles and enough uh, new ideas and new concepts. And, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for an old-school mentality of this is our school and that's it. But I don't feel... I don't feel that way, and um, I I am really a strong advocate for that. And anything I can do to make that happen is really what I'm all about. At the end of the day, for jujitsu. As someone that designs jujitsu t-shirts, just let me tell you that your more jujitsu, less politics t-shirt is probably the dopest jujitsu shirt of all time. Oh. So thank you for making that. No problem. And just to say, uh, Marisha who designed that t-shirt and I are starting a t-shirt company and that's going to be our first one to come out but totally different but same message more jujitsu less drama well when that comes out we'll put a link to it uh, on the podcast page and so thank you guys so much for having me in your academy I had a great class learned a lot and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today yeah my pleasure absolutely thank you so much it's been awesome having you here I was grateful to get to I was grateful to get the chance to train with Isaac and Saida at the school in D.C. where Isaac teaches and to chat with both of them from the coach-student dual perspective. It was a great night of training and a fun conversation. My one regret about this conversation, and I only have one, I didn't find out until after it was over that Isaac had been to Senegal with the Lionheart Initiative to train and compete in LAM, which is traditional Senegalese wrestling that is the national sport there. So I'd love to get him back on the show for an in-depth interview that covers that, especially because I think they have another trip to Africa in the world. And I'm fascinated with that, so I'd love to have them back on the show. My thanks to both Isaac and Saida for taking the time. I spent a bunch of time training at four different schools in D.C. in the last week in the D.C., uh, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to hear some of those interviews from my friends at Beta Academy, from some folks at the Pedro Sauer Association headquarters. Next trip, I'm going to prioritize getting to the places that I didn't get to, to Dave Jacobs Jiu-Jitsu Academy, to Big Brothers, to all the folks that invited me. I wanted to say thanks so much to everybody who welcomed me into their academy, everybody who invited me that I didn't get the chance to train with. If I missed you on this trip, I will make sure to hit you up on the next trip. So uh, I'll be in your area soon, hopefully. I always want to train with new academies, train with new folks, and learn more stuff. A few things I want to mention simply on that note, because I know a lot of my friends from the DMV are probably listening to this. A seminar that just was announced yesterday, and I'm really happy to have registered for, I was actually the first person to register because I was so excited, is the legendary Ricardo de la Riva is coming back August 5th for a seminar at Conquest BJJ, which is a Vicente Junior Academy. Vicente is a student of the legendary de la Riva. And, you know, it's pretty rare that you get the chance to, to train with somebody who has a guard named after him. So I think you should take that opportunity. You can register for that at the Conquest BJJ website, and we'll post a link to that on the Facebook page as well. I plan on being up there, doing interviews. I know we have some people from North Carolina coming up, some people from Maine, some people from New York City, and so hopefully there are going to be a lot of folks in the area. I hope to learn some great techniques from Master De La Hiva, and I hope to do some interviews, not just with some of the legends of the art, but some of the interesting folks from the community who turn out for that seminar as well. So watch for that and news of it on our Facebook page and our blog, dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog. A few other things I want to mention. Our 100th show is coming up, and this is uh, this is a big deal. It's a labor of love for, for me and for all the people that work on the show. And so we're trying to do something really special for the 100th episode. I have some ideas, you know, and and some of the ideas involve some of the highlights from the show so far, but also trying to get a really major guest that people will be excited about. So you, if you have suggestions for our 100th episode, you can email those to me at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. You can always hit up the show on Twitter at DWB Radio or on Instagram at Dirty White Belt. We're looking for your suggestions, your thoughts, who you would really want to see on the show, and who you'd be excited about to listen for the 100th Dirty White Belt Radio. So that's our show for the week. I want to thank everybody who had me up to their academy in, in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. I want to thank everyone who listens to the show, and I especially want to thank everybody who pledged to the Patreon this month. Mark Kukro, Cody Malte, Chris Holmes, Carl Krebs, and Betty Broadhurst all contributed at the podcast shout-out level. So if you want to join them, you can at patreon.com slash dirtywhitebelt. For as little as a dollar a month and with staggered benefits, you get various things like sneak peeks at blog posts, sneak peeks at photographs, um, exclusive audio content that isn't going to be posted on the 
the show. And of course, shout outs, plus our, our never ending appreciation. So if you do want to support the show, you can do that at dirtywhitebelt.com and our shop there, or you can go to the Patreon at, at patreon.com slash dirtywhitebelt. A few credits. The show's music is by Tune, The Real Law, and DJ Mini Love. Lourdes Cantu and Betsy O'Donovan share the hosting duties. My name is Jeff Shaw. I want to thank you again for listening, and we will see you all next week. Thank you.